And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Athletics Potable. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And in my world, we're coming to you live in the third quarter of the Celtics' absolute blowout win over the Brooklyn Nets. I had a men's league game night, so I'm catching up right now. Jay, you experienced it live. Is it, is it as thrilling as it seems right now? This, right now, for me, the Celtics are up 30, and it's a, a ridiculous basketball game. I mean, it was a pretty lopsided game. This, I don't think I've ever seen a team ahead 28-2 to two in an NBA game. I've seen that in like AAU when one of the top teams in the state plays like just some random <laughs> scrubs. That shouldn't be in the same tournament. Well, but. that's kind of what the Nets feel like with just like the roster they were running out here tonight. They're not scrubs, but fair. they shouldn't be in the same tournament. Yeah, they're they certainly weren't an A division team tonight, is is how I'd put it. They had all their guys missing. Um they had guys in starring roles that shouldn't be. <laughs> they had guys playing minutes that wouldn't be if they were even moderately healthy. And they had lost eight in a row entering tonight. So terrible vibes on that team right now. Not great vibes. <laughs> but uh the Celtics vibes have been pretty impeccable lately. Impeccable impeccable Impec- vibes. Immaculate vibes, uh, maybe, perhaps. I mean a six game winning streak. A six game winning streak, eight of their last ten. I think what is it? I think it's thirteen of their last seventeen now. They're do uh playing quite well. And I know the haters the haters out there are gonna say the Celtics aren't haven't played anyone uh really at all. I mean they play the Magic, the Pistons, wins against the Kings in there, and you gotta play what's on your schedule. I mean but earlier in the season they were losing to bad teams. So you can't complain when they beat the bad teams. They're playing just very good basketball right now, especially their starting lineup. Uh, and it really seems like they've settled into something with um, the kind of top eight rotation they have right now. Um, and just you know what? My takeaway from the, the first half of the Nets is like doubling Jason. If doubling Jason Tatum doesn't work for you as a defense, uh, you're pretty much screwed going up against the Celtics because when other guys are making shots, as they did early and often in the first half against the Nets, then the Celtics are playing defense and getting on transition. They're a very hard basketball team to beat. Yeah, and I, I, th- I thought that the Celtics really handled those double teams well. Now, obviously, the Nets' defense is pretty bad to begin with. They're missing a lot of their key pieces. Um, so it's not the stiffest test for the Celtics. 
But at the same time, the Celtics haven't always handled those Tatum double teams well. And I, I don't just mean him either. Like, the entire team hasn't. And in this game, he was getting off the ball. He was basically, like, inviting the double team just so he could get off the ball. And then not only that, but the Celtics were making the right cuts behind him. They were making the right passes behind him. Jalen Brown had, I believe, nine assists, and a lot of them came off plays that Jason Tatum really made, and then then Jalen was able to take advantage of the four-on-three. And so when when your offense is in sync like that, like you're going to get good opportunities, and the Celtics got really good opportunities. Marcus Smart benefited with some wide-open looks. He he had you know a, a big scoring night Robert Williams benefited with some dunks because the Nets were scrambling to rotate toward Jalen and I mean it, it's it's been bad competition it's been like a stretch of games against teams missing a whole lot of talent or just not having any talent to begin with but this is the best brand of basketball the Celtics have played in a long time and and you can see there's they're really starting to to pick up better habits that should help them when they do run into teams that are actually worthy of being in the A division. Yeah, I mean a little six game win streaks never hurt anyone. Like you can't complain about their schedule. Winning generally uh, creates good vibes. I know Brad Stevens is a big believer in, in kind of positive psychology and a growth mindset. You know what helps growth when you get a good process and good results, and it feels like. At least the starting lineup, like the they have the best net rating um, of any I think starting five in the league. I don't know if that's qualified since uh, Christmas. You know, it's like you can cherry pick a lot of stats like since this certain time period. But no matter what, that top starting five. And the Celtics have played nobody. Like basically dating back to the beginning of January, they haven't really played anyone. No, the the but best team they the played they was play. the Seventy Sixers, who they uh, got destroyed by. Um, but they're pummeling all the other teams, which, you know, probably was the reason why they have a giant net rating and, like, are number one in defense because they get to play the Kings and the Pelicans and, you know, Detroit, Orlando, Miami without a bunch of its guys. They've kind of lucked out that way, but I think it's a combination of easy schedule, pretty solid health for the team. I think they've been very good, especially since Marcus Smart has come back. Um, but they're just playing very solid basketball. And, I think getting back to the doubling Tatum thing, I at some point I was just watching the first half. It's like, are the Nets going to stop doing this? Because the Celtics were doing it very well. And it feels like Jason Tatum's a kind of a streaky player. Maybe you catch him on an off night and stop doubling him. But that's just like how good he has been uh, kind of over the, especially like uh, the last two months where it's just like, it still makes sense to double him just because he's so good. It helps that no Nets have no one on the court, but uh like the, the Nets, still their best option was doubling Jason Tatum because he could have cooked absolutely anyone. Oh, the game just cut out for me. The game has cut out. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> that was wild. So Jared Weiss is in Brooklyn for us, so I was watching from home, and I couldn't watch. Because <laughs> I, I am pretty sure – I mean, I'm very skeptical of TNT's claims that the power went out in in the truck – for the Celtics Nets game because the Sixers game that they switched to Sixers Suns game was like a two point game with four <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter and a much better game than Celtics versus the shorthanded Nets in the first place. So consider me highly skeptical that 
their excuse was actually correct. I think they just wanted to get away from the Celtics game. And I think Candace Parker was on, was on the broadcast. She's like, we don't have to go back to that. <laughs> Let's just not go back to it. Oh, Which, yeah, man. Just, Three minutes left in uh – Sun Sixers right now is a is a good game. This is what they they just started NBA Red Zone. I don't know how it went, but like that's pretty much how it should operate, uh, where they can you can just dive right into a third quarter or a fourth quarter, three minutes left. Um, so, do we know what happened in the third quarter uh, of the uh, of the Celtics game? The Celtics gave back some of their lead, but not a ton of it, and then they put in <laughs> the the deep bench guys. Um, I did hear Grandy and Max when I was driving home from my game being like, you know, if there's one thing this team has to worry about is that it's deep bench players has given up a, a bunch of leads recently. And I was like, that's a pretty solid thing to work about. Well, worry about if guys 10 through 15 are not really uh, playing well. And I mean, it's something I put- think, think that's also just kind of part of how it's going to be if you're going to play Bruno Fernando and Ennis Freedom together. Oh, is, I, didn't, that is not I really did not know that happened. I only saw an, an electric Bruno dunk. I didn't know we got double bigs, Bruno and Freedom. It is interesting, though, that the Celtics have basically just turned themselves into an eight-man rotation. They basically played nobody after Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, and Grant Williams. They have decided, forget Ennis, forget the young guys. It's just going to be the top eight. And it's worked. Um, it's worked, but it's a sign that Ime is not very happy with Pritchard and Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith. And, you know, if, if they do trade shooter, if they do try to get under the tax that way, then at least one of those guys will have to play and we'll see how it goes. But it's not like Schroeder has really been lighting it up lately either. Um, no, he stinks he, on the bench. He's like even worse uh, when he comes off the bench just in terms of shooting. Doesn't he have some crazy off or not off on splits, but like bench starting splits in terms of just yeah, his yeah, shots? Yeah, the, the last time I checked that he was shooting 48% as a starter and 34% off the bench. Well, he hopefully played his pretty little, sharp difference. <laughs> last game as a Celtic. How uh, did I'm assuming Payne Pritchard played? I don't know. I'm still watching the uh, Sun Sixers right now. Pritchard almost had his second dunk in two games. Ooh, um, that's enough to get a, a role in the rotation in my book. He went up with the left hand again, just like he did in the Magic win the other night, and uh, didn't. I'm not <laughs> sure whether he just decided not to dunk it, or just didn't really have the juice for the dunk on that that one jump. We'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he just decided to lay it in. But the the Celtics bench seemed pretty disappointed that he didn't get the second dunk of his last two games and the second dunk of his career. I mean, I'm pretty disappointed too. Uh, but by the way, Peyton Pritchard fans, I assume it must be Oregon people, were very mad at me <laughs> for saying that it was his first dunk of his career when he did dunk against the Magic. I, all I was doing was saying a fact, guys. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was very much the first dunk of his NBA you, career. You are a reporter. You are reporting uh, that fact to to the world. Like, I wasn't saying he couldn't ever dunk. I wasn't saying, you know, in his lifetime, the guy has never thrown it down. I was pretty sure that even Peyton Pritchard, who is not the tallest guy, um, could throw it down. But... For some reason, people were mad at me, and 
and came at me talking about how he's always throwing it down with his left hand and oh, oh how, Payne, that, Payne Pritchard is a really known lefty dunk. dunker. Like everyone knows that Payne Pritchard always throws it down with the left. I guess that's his go-to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that's a, that's a thing, guys. Payton Pritchard is a very much a left-handed dunker, as as the whole world should have known, even well, though he had never dunked before in an NBA game. It's interesting you mentioned Pritchard because the like if Dennis gets traded and that's like the okay the rumor we've heard the most uh, heading into this trade deadline. Um, and and who knows if things have changed because they're just kicking the shit out of teams. Yeah, it's no need to trade. I mean, I still think they're going to want to get under the tax because even if they don't trade Dennis, they could just get rid of, I think, because Jalen Brown doesn't get his incentives. And so they're only like a couple hundred thousand dollars over the tax line. So they could just, I think, part ways with Bruno Fernando and um, maybe maybe part ways with Ennis Freedom, you know, uh, let him go host CPAC conferences. Um, they could or just they de- could trade one of the injured guys, Bull Bull or PJ Dozier. Oh, that seems that so. Case. That seems so mean, but yeah, that's that's probably the more reasonable one to uh, do. But they can just do that and get another tax. So it's not a guarantee that Dennis leaves. But we have heard some rumors. Um, his name's been out there. Richardson's name's been out there. That's pretty much it. The only kind of like, I don't know. At this point in the year, I don't know what's an actually a substantive rumor or what's someone you know just trying to. To flex, we did get a, a, a rumor that the big ragu Dante Divincenzo was a possible name giving him to the Bucks. I guess so. Why not bring on bring in the big ragu for a nickname alone? Uh, I, you, you get everyone knows my stance. I've been pretty anti uh, Dennis this year. I think it makes sense. I don't really think they're going to resign him, so why not try to get something out of him? Because I I think Peyton Pritchard can kind of step in and play his role. I don't know if we're going to learn that about Peyton Pritchard from like what he does late in blowouts uh, in these in the kind of the recent winning streak. Maybe the fact that he's a left-handed dunker will help him out uh, kind of <laughs> with with more minutes and more uh, a larger role. But do you think he's like ready to step in? And how do you think that impacts the the kind of the trade market for the Celtics with um, you know possibly trading Dennis or I think an even rarer possibility possibly trading uh, Josh Richardson. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when Pritchard was playing earlier in the season, like playing real minutes uh, during the stretch, especially when Schroeder was out, like he handled himself well. Um, I think last year's proof that he can really shoot it. And when he gets minutes and when he f- feels a little bit more confident, like he's fine. Uh, is he as good as Schroeder? I don't think so in a vacuum, but I'm not sure the Celtics would take like a big step back at all if they gave him those minutes. And if I'm the owner and you're saying to me, like you're going to have to pay a whole lot of luxury tax money, I think it'd be like, I forget exactly how many million it would be, but it'd be substantial. And and you'd have to give up a chance at getting like a $10 million check for staying out of the tax from the, the teams that are in the tax. Uh, if you're telling me like, you're the guy who's been like your seventh or eighth best player this year is going to cost you all that money. I'd be like, eh, I don't know if I want to keep this guy around. Um, now they, they, like you said, they could just do it another way and hope that uh, Jalen does not get to the all-star game as a replacement player and kind of go that route um, toward p- probably avoiding the tax 
it would be a little riskier, but you also wouldn't have to lose Dennis Schroeder. And he hasn't played great lately, but the Celtics have, as a team, like really, really played good basketball. And like they've found something that works. Their defense has been awesome. Their first quarters have been ridiculous. Their starting lineup has just bulldozed people. Um, so we'll see what they do. The DiVincenzo thing is is an interesting possibility if it's a real possibility. Um, they would have his bird have, rights, right? So like they could, he makes less than Schroeder, and I think they could re-sign him easier than they could Schroeder. Yeah, and so he would be a restricted free agent. He will be a restricted free agent after the season. Um, he hasn't really been good this year after coming back from injury, but like he was starting for the Bucks last season, playing pretty well, shot 38% from three last season. He's the pride of Delaware. I mean, come on. He is the pride of Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> is, he's is that been something la- you've, you've been holding on to? That I mean, he's been he's laying up Wilmington gyms uh, and for years now. I don't know any others, any other places in Delaware. Uh, Cape May? That No, that's New Jersey. He's from Wilmington or went to high school in Wilmington. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. He's been dominating the Wilmington circuit for um, putting up banners left and right. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that like the fact he's restricted, he didn't get he extend with um, Milwaukee, but it makes sense. I was just imagining uh, me doing a complete turn and being like pro Dennis now um, because the vibes are so good on this winning streak that like, what if what if Dennis just gets really hot in one playoff series and like scores twelve straight and like turns a game for you? Like does Dennis be, when he's only playing fifteen minutes a game, is he like have value in just being that kind of like sneaky hot bench scorer? Um, I don't know if I can. I I feel like I'm fully committed to the blame Dennis movement, so I don't know if I can go full kind of heel turn on that, but. The thought just did pop in my head when um, you were talking about uh, just keeping him for the sake of keeping him. Just like why, why ruin what they already have? Uh, yeah, and and it's kind of the point where, like, this is uh, even though the Celtics haven't played anybody lately, even though they have exactly zero quality wins during this stretch. Um, I'm not willing to count the Hornets without Gordon Hayward in that. Um, what are you talking about? That's a, still, that's a Nick Freeman coach team. They outscored enough. a Nick Freeman coach team with LaMelo play, scoring 38 points. All-star LaMelo ball. Even though they haven't had any quality wins in this <laughs> stretch, the they've just been playing totally different basketball. And like their defense is up to third in the NBA or it was entering tonight. I don't know what it is now. They're cl- they were close enough that they, they might've jumped into second place in defensive rating. Um, their starters have really just kicked the shit out of everybody lately and done it nightly. Like it's almost every game. The Celtics are up six to 15 points at the end of the first quarter. It's gotten kind of ridiculous. No matter who you're playing, that's impressive. Um, so I do think if the Celtics three weeks ago thought we need to make major changes, now they're probably sitting there like, eh, <laughs> eh, we're, yeah, still, we're still not good enough, but also 
Like, well, there's the. I think that's the next question is like, okay, you don't want to trade any of the guys in the top eight, obviously. So if you decide you like don't want to trade Dennis, I just don't think they're trading Richardson at this point. I think he's been just a solid player for them, has been knocking down threes, and it's just like does what they want the, him to do defensively, and it's like a natural – like him out there with the core four, I think is just a, a solid like closing lineup, especially if you want to emphasize defense. I think the same thing with Grant. So I don't think you're like – I know I saw, like, I think Jackie Mack mentioned that or other rumors about Grant. I just don't think him's going to, like, he's going to be traded. I'm kind of similarly skeptical with Richardson, although I think that's a little bit more likely. Say you keep the top eight. Are you at a point where you're, like, wanting or willing to part ways with, I think the most obvious uh, people would be Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith to try and get a shooter of some sort or, like, a, a... Something to kind of help this team now, maybe add a ninth guy just to shore up your depth a little bit more on, on a guy that, like, you know, maybe Ime is, like, actually willing to play. It depends who it is, I guess. <laughs> That's um, a classic fence answer, J. King. Yeah, of course it depends who it is. A good, say it's a good guy. Say it's a guy you want on your team. Here's the other thing, and Danny Ainge used to talk about this all the time, is if you do go out and get a shooter um, – like how many minutes is that dude going to play? Is he just going to be a, is he just going to be a one year rental that he's going to be around for two or three months plus a playoff series or two? And and what do you feel about Neesmith and and Langford? And I, I can't imagine they're like super high on those guys just because they haven't played much. Um, and when they have, they haven't lit up the world or anything like that. But they're still recent lottery picks with some tools and so and then you know the Celtics have played an eight-man rotation lately so how how many minutes realistically would someone have if they're not going to be like a starting type player on the team well I feel like with the with Ime Hardo Ime doesn't trust the young guys and he like can you bring in someone that Ime likes and is immediately willing to give like 10 minutes a game to because there's really not that many minutes left. And is Ime going to trust them? And I feel like it's hard to find that guy who you can immediately slide in to your rotation. A lot of times those guys aren't very like, they're not available in the trade market because they're, if you're, if they're that good, most teams want them in their rotations. And so I have, you're right. I, I was glib. I was uh, made fun of your response, Jay, but it really does depend on who they can get back. And I just don't know, who the, that guy is out there on the market or anyone who's been talked about. I kind of liked Justin Holiday just as kind of a big wing type who is a decent three-point shooter. Um, I think he's pretty but solid. He gone. But he gone he now. Gone. Um, he gone. Big, that was a wild trade. That was a wild. I was not expecting that trade whatsoever uh, when I got that notification today. Just absolutely. I did not think DeMontis Sabonis was going to be traded, nor Tyrese Halpern. So it was just a... Wild stuff. You know, Pacers and Kings, just two NBA franchises are always making moves, just getting better. That's what that's what you can say about them, too. I was I, I was I mean, people are really high on Tyrese. Halliburton oh, yeah. The, the, the immediate the immediate Twitter like outrage is like, how could Tyrese Halliburton ever be dealt? I was like, Demontis Sabonis is pretty fucking good. Like, it feels like you have to give something up to get him. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't like the trade for the Kings either. Like, I didn't love it. But at the same time, people acting like Tyrese Halliburton is this automatic like Hall of Fame player. 
was if he was, was the Kings would probably be a little bit better right now. It was that was a little too much for me. I, I was I was going back and forth with some some Halliburton stands throughout the day. What um, what hand does Halliburton uh, dunk with? I mean, I don't think he really dunks at all. <laughs> let, let me check how many how many dunks Tyrese had. I I mean, he certainly isn't drawing drawing many free throws. Skinny oh. ass, weak ass. <laughs> the thing we've seen, we've seen two kind of major trades, and they're between two t- like four teams that are just really not doing much. I guess yeah, he's got twelve dunks this year. Oh, not bad. He might be an ambi dunker too. If he's an ambi dunker, I may have to change. <laughs> I have to re- retract your the statement. Way I feel about him. Who yeah. did the, who did the no. Cavs recently trade for? I'm blanking right now. They just traded for Caris Levert. Oh yeah, that's a move that you could do. Caris Levert had like three good games in Brooklyn, and everyone uh, started loving Caris Levert. But I don't know. One if of he's, them was uh, against the Celtics. Yeah, one of them was dropping like something 40. against the Celtics, and they <laughs> yeah, were up just, like thirty and lost. And he just could not miss whatsoever. He was just nailing threes. Yeah, he had that game, and everyone just anointed Karis Levert. But and and I, like Halliburton's good. He's he's potentially going to be really good. I just the the love of Halliburton was just beyond what I thought it would be when when he got dealt today. I was I was stunned. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't, I maybe Deer and Fox and Demontis Sabonis will work. Who knows? But. Um, I think the thing that's interesting is that, like, besides the um, trade the Cavs made, all the other trades are between teams who are, like, very much out of it and are willing to kind of part ways with some sort of talent uh, to kind of uh, get some assets and value back. I just don't see any teams who are really in the top, uh, I guess, top eight or nine in each, uh, each of the conferences right now making a big trade just because everyone's kind of competing. No one's really wanting looking to like give up a, a value guy. I don't know who the Celtics can really target right now. It feels like the teams who would be willing to make trades uh, have been picked clean already. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I oh. think it's kind of going to be a chaotic trade deadline. Chaos. Who's getting dealt? Is it, it's like the magic and the Pitsons going to have a fire sale. I think some teams have finally decided, like Indiana, and and like Portland. Maybe the Wizards with the Bradley Beal news—they're kind of can tank in the season. Yeah, I mean, what what are they still playing for? They they're on the outside of the play-in tournament, looking in. Their best player is going to be out the rest of the season. I mean, I would I would trade everybody from that situation or like certainly be willing to consider deals for a lot of guys there. Um, if anyone the in the, do, in like, the chat right now has a, has a great trade suggestion, feel free to raise your hand or if you just have anything else you want to talk about with Celtics, raise your hand. But I'm always a huge fan of uh, trade proposals that I don't have to come up with myself. So if anyone uh, now's, now's an opportunity. Yeah. But like the Knicks, they stink. Are they going to make major moves? The, the Jazz, after Joe Ingles went down, they could use another body. They should probably be pretty urgent to get that, given that they're a win-now team. Um, I just think there, there are a lot of teams in situation. The Lakers, like, they almost have to make a move 
I saw a, a Richardson for no a THT rumor today. That was fun. Yeah, that'd be. Then I looked uh, up THT stats, and he it wouldn't stinks. help the Celtics this <laughs> no, season. No, he doesn't. He's not the shooter that they need. That's the thing. Is like there's just you look through all the rosters, and there's just like not an obvious guy that comes in and is immediately an impact player, someone that Ime is going to give minutes to, and someone that can kind of seamlessly fit in with what they're doing. Because they're playing very, very good basketball, and that is coming from having a eight-man rotation where Dan Schroeder is the eighth man. He's only playing like 15, 16 minutes. So it's really top-heavy. Most of the top six guys are playing over 30 minutes a game. You just – it doesn't seem – as long as like – I think you can definitely bring in someone for, I guess, health purposes or depth purposes but because who knows with injuries. But if they have the top eight guys healthy as they have – over the past pretty much month and a half, the Celtics are just playing really well, and there doesn't seem like there's a much motivation to completely change things. It's been funny hearing Ime Udoka really start to feel himself and his team. <laughs> like you, you can tell he's really excited about the way the Celtics have played lately, because for a while, like it was tough to get him to say something positive about the Celtics, uh, probably because they didn't deserve anything positive. <laughs> But but lately he's, he's talked about how they, they can just suffocate and engulf teams, <laughs> and he's talked about how they're living up to their identity, and you could just you could just tell he's starting to really feel the way this team is playing, um, and he's really excited about just the the basketball that they've put forth over the last few weeks. <laughs> like, like he is. He's happy eBay lately. He he has been satisfied eBay, and I guess that's what happens when you just win by like twenty or thirty every night. It certainly helps. It, yeah, but didn't he throw like the what was he? He threw the Hornets under the bus. Where like they tried to do this defense, but they're really not good at it or something. Yeah, he's like they switch a lot off the ball, and they're just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> he's like we took advantage of that, so he he's feeling it. And and he's honest, so you can kind of trust. Like he's not a coach that would just pump up his team just to pump up his team. Certainly if not. Anything, he'd, <laughs> he'd probably go the opposite way. So they they're, they're passing the email sniff test lately, which which is a tough test to pass. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, we know. We know uh, Hardo Ime is a tough guy. Okay, let's go to Mark. Is that an L or an I? Mark, welcome to Anything is Potable. How are you doing? Doing okay. It's L. Mark L. Well, come on down. Why only okay? The Celtics have won six in a row. Well, well um, we're going to do some bad radio and complain, 
after Ooh, the bye. Yeah, that's, like that. that's that's called knowing your role as a caller, Mark. Well done. Well, well I mean, considering the I don't know what dozens of people that listen to your guys' content. I, think <laughs> I, don't know, I think of that with the Delaware uh, mentioned tonight, but that's not, anyway, you hear my dad chuckling in the background. Uh, we shout out to Mr. L. Yes. Um, so, in addition to complaining when the vibes are good, we're going to take it another step further in bad. Uh, I don't know what Boston local radio meme of comparing one of your good players to an all-time top 15 player and then complaining that that player can't do what that guy can do. So this is beyond uh, current trends. So Tatum, who's been awesome. but He's not Paul Pierce, though. He is not. But (laughs) when he's going to the basket and he gets within 15 feet of the hoop, I think we can all admit sometimes the finishing is a little awkward and he tries the some Euro steps or some one step floaters and stuff. And Jay, I've heard you talk about this playing off two feet instead of one feet, one foot, pardon me. And you watch compared to Kevin Durant, which is ridiculous to compare anybody to Kevin Durant. But if there's anybody you can compare to Kevin Durant, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Tatum is not that ridiculous to compare to him. Why can't he just stop pull up on two feet when he gets within 15 feet and shoot a normal jump shot the way he normally shoots as opposed to these sort of awkward runners and leaners and whatnot that we seem to struggle with and his percentage with is not great there. And like his handle is not as good as Durant. So it's maybe it's a little harder for him to uh, stop and gather, but I feel like it would just be much more effective for him. Like people aren't blocked. I don't know. Is he afraid his shot is going to get blocked? I feel like he can get that shot off whenever he wants when he's attacking and he would score at a more efficient rate but curious for your guys thoughts despite the generally poor content <laughs> <laughs> what what an all-time call wow um, that was uh levels of anger with jason tatum's float game after a six game win streak and a 30 point win that i was not ready for well, frankly, I appreciated every moment of it. And yeah, why can't Jason Tatum make shots like Kevin Durant? That's It's absurd the way he's not the best shooter in basketball. What a jerk. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think all the complaints about Tatum. Oh, Bruno Fernando just dunked on him. That was wild. Oh, sorry. About, sorry you, to interrupt. You're, you are so late. <laughs> It was a nice Bruno Fernando duck. <laughs> Trade Ennis immediately. We need full time Bruno. Wow, that was electric. Um, so anyway, I think all the complaints about Tatum's finishing are legitimate. Um, that's one area, especially now that he's put on weight, now that he's grown an inch or whatever since he got to the NBA, now that he's become more of a proficient attacker, like sometimes his finishing is is not ideal well the see the, the thing is though is he gets fouled every time he goes to the basket is what he would have me believe at the same time i think i think he's gotten better at it and i think he's gotten better at instead of going and hunting for fouls and maybe getting off balance and searching to seek out contact he's just going to the rim and i feel like his decision making over the last however many games not only in that way, but also just in the way of of finding open teammates and doing it at the right time 
and not really forcing things, especially not forcing things from oh, know, mid-range, mid-range Peyton jumpers. Pritchard's a coward and they're not dunking that. This is <laughs> fun to try to <laughs> podcast. Like he said, we suck at podcasting. Um, but, but yeah, I do feel like he's gotten better and if I'm going like to making has been pretty good lately in pretty much all facets. I mean, if, if we're going to just do ultimate nitpicking of Jason Tatum's he's game also right plus now. 195 over his last <laughs> nine games. Yeah, but what's his three point percentage been, huh? Uh, not perfect. I mean, if that if I'm going to nitpick anything with kind of Jason T- Tatum offensive basketball, I feel like he's been pretty solid in the paint with his decision making, his playmaking. Um, I haven't noticed the kind of the wild floaters that Mark was talking about as much. I do think that was like something that kind of plagued Jason Tatum earlier. And maybe, yeah, he just doesn't have the ability to stop immediately and um, uh, knock down shots like he was Kevin Durant. But he's pretty damn good. And the only thing is like, yeah, I, I wish he made more threes just because when he does make threes, it really opens up a lot for the Celtics offense and just pretty much makes them uh, unstoppable. But I just looked up his last eight games. He's shooting 40% from three. He's uh, pretty solid right now. I don't, I know we're searching for nitpicking things and we're allowing the Mark L to come in and his, uh, in the accompaniment with his father, complain about things. But uh, I don't just don't know. There's a lot to complain about uh, in Celtics land right now. We'll go to Richard D on the line. Richard, how are you doing? What's up, guys? How are we doing tonight? Doing well. Oh, Neesmith got some run tonight, at least. Yeah, yeah. he got a low run. I, I sent a little note earlier today and reminded him. Yeah, I, I sent um, y'all. Y'all remember Chris Middleton was also one of my AAU kids, and and very similar, same high school, same AAU. And they work out together all the time, and they're both really dedicated to the game. You know, you got some kids that go out and party in college. And these these kids were both very similar personalities, and they put in the work. And um, and what I'm saying is, I remember sending. Uh, I knew someone in in the ownership with the Pistons when Chris got picked, and I remember getting so pissed off about this time of the season. And I got the the agent to give me. Lawrence Frank's number, and I called him up and said, "Dude, if you want to keep a fucking job coaching NBA, you got to play Chris Middleton over John Shire. What are you missing?" And that dude could not laugh me off the phone quick enough. And um, so, so my point: yes. this is not the second time I'm taking up for somebody. But um, I, I, here's my. So point. hold on, you didn't just text message him, or you like you you called him and let him? No, I called. I, no, I called him at his. I called him at his. Yeah, I called him. And, um, and what, you know, did he, did he tell you to go first, fuck yourself? No, no, he, we, we, we talked legitimately about it. I said, look, I just want you to know this kid, he would, um, he was projected, it's more y'all want to know, but he was projected to be pick number eight. Oklahoma City tried to get him to come out early after a sophomore year at AM, and he didn't, and he got hurt, and he ended up dropping down like 46, whatever. And, um, as you guys remember, but I was just saying, look, Here's the deal. You know, this kid's been underappreciated, blah, blah, blah. Now, Chris is not as athletic as they are, not even close, right? But, 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 um, but you look where Chris is now and you look where he started. And, um, as I watch him light up LeBron right now on, on the other channel. And so, so, you know, 
my my point is, I'm not saying Aaron deserves any more minutes than he's getting than he like what he got tonight. But at the end of the day, everybody knows, um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna draft these kids, like again, and and I know uh, Jay understood this when I said Bobby Crimmins. If you're gonna play eight people, that's great. That's a great little experiment. You're not going anywhere with that um, in, in the playoffs. Now, right now, for what they're doing, he turned them around. It looked like it was a necessary move. Um, but like what he did tonight, clearing it out, giving some people. But if you don't give Peyton Pritchard and you don't give Aaron Neesmith some real run and real game time minutes, what, why why have them? Go ahead and trade them, right? Because to me, and, and my point all that is, I, I want Aaron to stay up there with you guys. Uh, I don't really even care about playing time as far as, you know, if, if they work them in. They're winning. Things are going great. But at some point, if you don't like a kid, move them on. Because I promise you this, y'all can mark this shit down. Aaron Neesmith will be an all-star. You can take that to the bank. Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton is not going to let him not be. I'm just telling you. You don't see these kids in the offseason. Chris is not kids anymore. But I'm just telling you, it was more improbable of Chris Middleton ever playing a second year in the NBA. Uh, and, and so it's just, you know. It is what it is. Um, have you called Ime Odoka yet? No, no, because I, I figured y'all was doing that for me. Are you a little more intimidated by Ime than you were by Lawrence Frank? Well, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I, I, I wasn't worried about Lawrence Frank. I knew he was short-lived for his deal. Uh, that's great. It, it must have been Kyle Singler, right? Kyle yeah, Singer there you was, go. Yeah, that's exactly out, yeah. right. You, you nailed it. Yeah, that's it's exactly crazy right. in retrospect that he was playing the minutes over Chris Middleton. Oh, like, it wasn't when, even close. And I didn't <laughs> do it like day one. It was like this part of the season. It was like right before the All-Star break. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you, you, you want to keep that job? I know it's a tryout. And and then next thing you know, Jason Kidd. And I'll tell you a little fun fact, uh, not that you want to know, but, but Jason Kidd's agent, was Chris's agent, and so that worked out really well for him. And, and he, you know, look, there's a lot of people that don't get run that woulda, coulda, shoulda, but you know, Chris got a lot of run, and and he started producing, and the rest is history. If you do call Ime Odoka by any chance, you've you've <laughs> got to come on and let us know about it as, as <laughs> yeah, soon hey, as it happens. Maybe I record the conversation you, hey, and play it. Hey, you, you you know, look, I'm nobody from nowhere, but I have my own team. I, I had two of my own TV shows. I don't really give a shit. Like, you know, stuff like that doesn't matter. But to me, you give me his number, you you, you know how to get me. You give me his number, I'll make a phone call. Oh, Jay. Uh, you're a lot, a lot of power right now. Richard, you're an electric caller. Um, it's fantastic stuff. All right, guys. Enjoy your stuff, like always. Good job. And I love this winning streak. I really do. This is great. They're playing good ball. Thanks, Richard. Oh, I'm looking at Chris Middleton's uh, first season in Detroit right now. He played only 27 games, uh, 17 minutes a game, and then immediately goes to Milwaukee, starts playing 30 minutes a game, uh, and this evolves into an all-star. So maybe, given Richards, I love the proclamation, like the guarantee that Aaron Neesmith is going to be an all-star in the uh, I, NBA. I won't, I won't doubt Richard. I won't. No. He just needs a chance. We saw it in his rookie year. Like, the more he got playing time, the more consistent he got. He made an impact. Um, I I think I, – and I absolutely love that Richard uh, 
ride, rides for his guys. Do you think there's any validity to the argument that like they need to play these guys if you're ever going to like rely on them uh, or maybe turn to them in a playoff game? It's like it might be useful to get uh, kind of the young guys some minutes now, or you just don't mess with like kind of success and you keep rolling with eight. Yeah, I think you look around the league and a lot of guys that end up being really good kind of develop on the bench. Um, and and that's fine. I think what's what's disappointing about Pritchard and Neesmith this season is that last year when they did get playing time and 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 consistent playing time, they were both legitimate contributors. They both showed significant promise. And so that's why I think it's been disappointing that they haven't really reached that th- threshold this year and that that in not getting many minutes they've you know produced less and probably lacked a little bit of confidence and and definitely not shot as well or uh done as much as they did a season ago uh so I think that's where the disappointment lies but I think at the same time like you can still develop while not getting a lot of playing time um that's a bradism. It's like you're just because you're not getting playing time doesn't mean you're not improving. So they could be getting better. They could be improving. I think we'll there's, who knows. Maybe maybe minutes will open up after the trade deadline. Like that's that's definitely a possibility. And it's just minutes are probably not going to naturally open up just because it's very hard to maintain the kind of health that the Celtics have this year. Like with their, the, I think I just saw this on Twitter. Like the starters when they have their normal starting lineup, they've only played 21 games together. Like there's going to be times where new people will need to step up just because that's kind of how it, how it works. The starters happen to be 15 and six in those 21 games and have something like a near 30 net rating. So maybe, maybe ride those guys if you have them, but I do think there's going to be opportunities moving forward. Uh, And I don't know. It's, it does have to like, you, you want to get to a point where he feels comfortable putting Pritchard or Neesmith in a game. I think he would, in the playoffs just because who else is going to put in. But um, I don't know. It's hard to me- kind of mess with the winning formula. And hard just to like, if you do put in Neesmith and Pritchard for uh, some time, I guess like you'd get some rest for the uh, kind of top six guys. But right now they're all playing like 30 minutes a game and it's it seems to be working. And while there's no real reason to take minutes away from, you know, that's the reason you get Jason Tatum and Jason uh, and Jalen Brown, so they can each play thirty-five minutes and like get your team victories. So uh, it's really not. And th- this this stretch has done a great job of letting those guys rest. Like after playing a ton of minutes this whole season, they've been up enough heading into fourth quarters that Tatum and Brown have gotten to sit out a lot. And I think you know in the long run that could be pretty important. Where. Celtics start to feel good about themselves. They pile up some wins, and they're still not running Brown and Tatum ragged during this stretch. Um, let's talk about J- Jalen not making the All Star game. And was that is that Lame- a legitimate Lamello, story? Lamelo Ball making it. I mean, he, yeah, he's certainly like a, close to Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I mean, Jalen has had a very good year. I guess I should be more of a homer and thought about it, but like I saw LaMelo Ball was getting out of the game. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. LaMelo Ball rocks. Like I want to see him do cool shit in an all-star game. Um, Not that Jalen Brown doesn't do cool shit, but 
Lamelo's got some of that it factor. Is is there a lot of Celtics fan beef about Jalen not getting the uh, the extra nod? No, I see. I I don't I don't think it's like an egregious thing. I actually would would have put Jared Allen in the game. And I yeah, it's kind of wild that he didn't make it. Um, I thought he was going to make it. He's in the skills challenge. <laughs> well, what? yeah, that skills challenge is going to be the dumbest fucking thing of all time. We've oh, so you mean the... so you mean every skills challenge ever? No, this is even worse. They've got Giannis and all his brothers. Are they on some against... sort of team or on some sort of shared yeah, bicycle? They're, they're on a team. They're on a team. Oh, fun. We've got fucking Alex Antetokounmpo, whatever. You I can't, can't say, say Antetokounmpo. You know Giannis' last Alex, name. You don't know we've Alex's. Got Alex, Alex, the Greek freak's brother in the skills challenge <laughs> against Jarrett Allen and some other Cavs against who the fuck cares in the, the third team. It is. <laughs> I love this anger dumb. about the skills challenge. The skills challenge has always sucked. They took the stupidest event in the history of any all-star game in any sport and made it even worse somehow. And it'll, I'm sure it'll be a cool moment for Giannis and his brothers. Like that'll be really fun for them. But for the rest of the world, no one wants to see Thanasis in the fucking skills. (laughs) They got to bring back, um, WNBA and then NBA legend team Papa shot like that. That was an electric event. Um, much preferred to the skills challenge. Much preferred to the, the. I mean, I feel like there hasn't been cool dunks in in a while, but um, I don't know. I have no real problem with like Jalen Brown has been good, but I don't think he's been obvious like All Star snub good this year. Uh, I think he has improved. I'm like I'm gonna probably I think go to c- c- compared to Lamelo, he had a case. Like he had a case. I mean, it's it's not egregious. It's not like some huge snub, but. He was on on the border of of getting in there, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he responds. He's kind of taking the publicly taking the the stance that it doesn't matter to him and it's cool. He doesn't care about all star games, but I never believe a guy when he says that. Oh no, he's lying because it would rank it would rankle me. <laughs> oh, I'd be rankled. <laughs> you'd be you'd be. You, I mean, you just you just got furious based on the the some brothers participating in a skills challenge. Like I'm sure you'd be damn rankled. Yeah. I'd, I'd be, I'd be quite peeved. You'd be well rankled. All right. Let's go to Michael M. Who's been waiting for a while. Michael, thank you for joining us here on Potable. How are you doing? I'm good. Guys. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Um, so here's, here's my take on Neesmith. I think he was just scouted really, really wrong. And we need to, kind of realize that he's not actually a catch-and-shoot player. You know, if you look at him play, he doesn't seem to want to catch-and-shoot. He seems to want to drive. And his athletic profile is more of like a slasher. And it just seems that he really only had one good shooting year in college. And I just – he doesn't seem like he wants to take catch-and-shoot shots. So, I, like, it's almost at the point where I'd be more interested in seeing what he can do if he tightens up his handle and you put the ball in the sands a little bit. Um, so just what are your thoughts on that? I think the, the the question of developing, especially a shooter, is interesting here. Um, because you see some franchises, and the Heat stand out as the obvious, obvious one. And they can just pick up 
a guy who's not really highly touted, whether it's Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, and turn them into a three-point specialist. And I think the Celtics have always leaned toward developing more versatile players and having them work on you defense, know, more, especially more of an array of skills. Uh, and I don't know what's right, and I I definitely don't know what's right for Aaron Neesmith. I, I do think there's more to his game than just simply catch and shoot. But I also think there's something about you know when you get a six five guy with a pedigree of shooting in college at least that one year like you said um like there's something about turning him into a specialist into a marksman and 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 maximizing that one trait that the Celtics have never really done and and I don't know whether it's because they haven't had guys like that on the roster obviously they had Struess for a couple weeks but that's not enough to turn him into a shooter but I also think like that has been one area where the Heat have just lapped everyone else where they can just pick up a guy and two three years later that guy is one of the best shooters in the NBA and I, I, I do agree with our, the um, caller but because I feel like if you just try to turn him into Duncan Robinson it would be kind of a waste of Neesmith's crazy, like, freaky athleticism. And so I understand your point that, like, that's something the Celtics have never done. But with Neesmith in particular, he really is an athletically gifted guy who can, like, really jump and attack the rim. That first, like, that year at Vanderbilt, what did he shoot? Like, 50% from three? And it wasn't in, like, a a bunch against, like, non-conference teams. There's like, a bunch of uh, – he turned in a real special season there. From deep, and I don't want to say anything that's going to get Richard calling my phone. Um, but like, I just I kind of agree with the car. Like, I don't know if he's just like a pure shooter, and I'm not sure if it's like something that you can really do, and might be a waste of just like his natural athletic ability. Although, not to say Duncan Robinson isn't uh, athletic, because you just see the clips of him going around screens and constantly moving. That's quite impressive, but Duncan Robinson's not going to be able to like attack the rim and kind of do what I think Neesmith can do. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting and you're right. I just feel like the Celtics, when they're developing guys, it's at least under Brad, it feels like you're not going to play until you can kind of hold your own on the defensive end. And so they put so much emphasis on kind of being a good uh, individual and team defender that, you know, you're not really honing in on and a versatile guy. You're not really honing in on like one specific skill, especially shooting. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. There's, there's still a lot of time for Neesmith to develop and find his niche. And, and maybe it's being a versatile guy who can score in different ways, who can, you know, get to the mid range and get by guys. And obviously we've seen him with some impressive dunks. So there's still a lot of time on Neesmith, but I, I do think that, Questioning the Celtics' like development of shooters is is one of the maybe one of the organizational weaknesses, and and maybe it's not like <laughs> like how many how many great shooters have they had it in Boston? Honestly, Max Struess. Like they went out of their way sometimes to draft guys with questionable shooting just because they were tough, they had athleticism, they could do a lot of other things. Um, so who knows? We'll 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 learn a lot more about Neesmith in the coming years. 
Uh, we better. I hope he stays around so we can still get calls from uh, Richard updating us on his talks with Ime. That was fantastic stuff. Some great callers tonight. Uh, and I appreciate everyone joining us here on the Athletic Live Room. We'll be back I've again. Got, I've got one more thing. One more thing before we leave. Let's hear it. I don't, I don't know if you even saw this, but Stan Van Gundy, after Marcus Smart hit 1-3, started talking about how he's not a very good shooter, but he can get streaky and hit a bunch. And then Stan remembered how Marcus once hit six threes against one of Stan's teams <laughs> and was just still so mad about it. And you could just hear hear how pissed off Stan Van Gundy was years later. He's out of coaching now. He's an announcer. And he was still so pissed off that Marcus Smart hit six threes against one of his teams. So salute to Stan for, for keeping that grudge years later and still being frustrated about it. <laughs> Salute to Marcus for being hitting six threes tonight and, and still attempting 13 threes. That's fantastic stuff from Marcus. That's that's not the uh, 13 and one quarter I think he did at one point, but it's still uh, impressive stuff from um, the heart and soul of the Celtics team. He's been playing great lately. He's had quite a stretch since coming back from health and safety protocol. Have they lost since he came back? They're 6-0, and oh, right? Like that's the six game winning streak. Marcus comes back fully healthy and they, they are eight and one, I believe, since he came back. Oh, well, that still proves my point that he's quite good. <laughs> yeah, he, he has been really good, and they're starting lineup just bludgeoning teams. All right, we will be back after the trade deadline to see if uh, the Celtics made any moves. We'll be reacting to all that. Jay, I know you're not a big prediction guy, but do you think Dennis Schroeder gets traded before the deadline on Thursday? I would not be surprised either way. Oh, classic. Classic J. King. I, not I making... knew you were going to enjoy that one. <laughs> well, um, no, I a, a week ago, I would have said, yes, I think he's getting traded. Two weeks ago, I would have said, yes, I think he's getting traded. But I think the argument grows bigger for keeping the rotation together when they're playing as well as they have. And, and obviously, like, he hasn't been thriving like – a lot of the guys on the team, especially the starters, but it's it's tough to trade out talent um, if you think your team could go reasonably far in the playoffs. And it's tough to trade out talent when you've been playing so well and, and when you just want to ride the vibes. If the Celtics ride the vibes and keep Dennis because there's no option to trade him, I think I'll have to completely pivot and become a pro Dennis guy, and well, this will become a pro Dennis podcast. So I think my question for you is: is like, is pivoting to optimism and pivoting to becoming a pro Dennis podcast is that potable? I mean, that was not the most exciting question. Everything is potable. <laughs> I had nothing. <laughs> that was that was pretty bad. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.